Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Let's do it, let's do it, let's get to it. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. And of course, as always, I am your host, John June, and it is a wonderful Saturday morning, April 17th. We are about 12 days away from the NFL Draft, and so as you all know, we've been doing some rookie breakdowns here and there. We, we did quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, even, um... So the last thing we haven't done is for rookie IDPs. And so um, I know that we talk about IDPs uh, on here not as much as we may want to just because a lot of the focus in the community is on offense. Um, And obviously a lot of redraft leagues are focused on offense. But we do pride ourselves on – showing love to the dynasty, to the IDP community, rather. Uh, you know, we are, Greg and myself are, are in a couple uh, dynasty IDP leagues. I'm in a few of them myself, actually, personally. So um, IDPs is something that I do uh, I do spend time focusing on. I, I usually don't really spend a ton of time on them until guys, you know, really end up in landing spots and you see the draft capital that's spent um, because Initially, like really, that's really what's going to be important, right? And at the uh, at the IDP position as well is that draft capital. Who are these guys that are getting first, second round draft capital? Because you know they're they're the ones that are going to end up on the field um, and getting those opportunities, and that usually means that they're really good players as well, too, right? So, um, you know, drafting IDPs in a rookie draft is always pretty difficult because it's, it's tough to really know how to value them relative to their offensive counterparts you know dealing with positional fa- value uh, isn't the same uh, the scoring settings across leagues could be different as well and, and regardless of the format though I do notice one thing it does seem that linebackers and safeties are the most the most productive IDPs uh, especially those guys that see opportunities to play in the box um, because in most IDP leagues at least the ones that I've, I've played in uh, you get one point for every tackle, so I'm always looking for a guy that has that 10 tackle potential as that baseline for my guys. Since tackles are the most predictable defensive stat compared to like sacks and interceptions, those are almost like predicting uh, touchdowns for offensive players, right? And so um, there's a lot of variance that's involved with sacks and interceptions and things like that. Um, now, when you look at guys that do play in the box, like a linebacker in Devin White or a safety in Jamal Adams, these guys have weekly double-digit tackle potential, uh, but both also pick up other stats as well. Both are impactful as pass rushers, and both are used enough in coverage to make plays on the ball, such as pass deflections and even interceptions. And so when I see players like that coming out of college, that's when I'm really uh, that's when I'm willing to spend a little bit more. I don't want to say overspend because that implies that I'm spending above their their value, but that's when I'm really trying to uh, hit on an IDP earlier in the draft than than I might be, uh, you know, compared to my my league mates, right? So I might be looking as an, at an IDP as early as 
the you know the first or second pick in, in the in the second round right a lot of times um you know what I had things I had done in the past if there was an IDP that I really really targeted I was really looking to get um you know I would you know you always gotta look at the late the landscape of your league but maybe if you're picking in the back half of the first um, maybe you, you, you know, you, you would have taken an IDP at that spot. Like, let's say you're picking at 112 and you would have taken an IDP at that spot, but there's some offensive players, uh, maybe that your league mates might be higher on than you are. And you could always trade out of that spot, go back to maybe two, two, two Oh three, two Oh four. And you could pick up some extra picks, maybe pick up an offensive player, uh, and, and then make that you know, select your IDP player right there. So there's some things, some strategies involved uh, that you could do that. I know last year, one of the things I did, I was really, you know, excited about it. Um, I I was able to trade out of the CD Lamb pick, um, pick up basically the first pick in the third round, move back to, I think, like three spots or so, and then was able to select Brandon Ayuk. Uh, who obviously you, you all know I was really high on last year, and then took that 301 and was able to take Patrick Queen. So I was able to turn C.D. Lamb into Brandon Ayuk and Patrick Queen, which, you know, hindsight's 2020 and all, but it looks like it's a good deal uh, in, in my front. You know, C.D., you know, Brandon Ayuk looking like one of the up-and-coming receivers in the league, and Patrick Queen, one of the uh, up-and-coming linebackers in the league as well. So... Um, excited to get into this conversation with Jeff and myself, uh, runs about 40 minutes or so. Um, there do seem to be some, uh, you know, some, some lagging issues near the end. The connection was not all that great. So I hope you guys, uh, can bear with us for that part. But, um, the, you know, in terms of the, the content, we covered everything from, you know, these, uh, from the top five IDPs to even getting into some some of the positions specifically and asking him about some guys uh, that he might might have thought about and you know uh, it, it was just turned out to be a really good conversation because you know uh, there was a there were things that we agreed on there were some things that maybe necessarily we didn't totally agree on but you know that's the beauty of it we just get to have a conversation uh, and you know we all can't be right so there's got to be uh, ways where you know, maybe he might say something or somebody else that I, that I even bring on might say something that I have to really think about. Right. So uh, I hope you guys take take something from the conversation. I hope you, um, you know, you're excited about your rookie IDPs. But as far as next week goes, um, obviously, we're going to be a week out from the draft. The draft is April 29th. So April 24th, that's just a week from today. Um. I'll be on here. It'll be solo. It'll be me um, by myself. It'll probably run, um, probably be a longer episode than you guys are used to getting from me uh, this time, this time, or uh, a longer solo episode, I should say, than you guys are used to getting from me uh, this time of year. But, you know, it's getting closer to the draft season. Juices are flowing a little bit more. Um, my dude at, P- at P2W Fantasy, Nick Script. Uh, gave me some some ish in a group chat about saying juices are flowing so um i'm gonna keep saying juices are flowing because football is here it's coming 
and the juices are flowing. So uh, let's get this show on the road. But anyway, as far as it goes, as long as far as next week um, or in regards to next week, rather going to get uh, a full draft preview from me. I don't even exactly know how it's going to work. I think I have an idea, but going to preview the draft. Um, probably going to go uh, team by team uh, and just, you know, spend a little bit of time running through each team and, and what I think, you know, they could do certain players that they might target uh, and things of that nature. Uh, and then, um, yeah, just getting into a little conversation about about the NFL draft, because I, I can't hide my excitement. I'm super excited about it. And uh, I look forward to to being able to chat it up with you guys about about the NFL draft. And so um, anyways, without further ado, let me jump into this interview with Jeff, um, make sure you stick around to hear about the draft guide that we're working on with Gridiron Ratings. Also, make sure you um, you go and you give Jeff a follow at NFL underscore DiMatteo. Uh, also, follow the, the Gridiron page. It's at Gridiron Rating. Uh, and then also, make sure you're following the show at FF Diagnostics on Twitter and Instagram. You could follow me. Uh, at JR Football Nerd on Twitter and Instagram. And then again, I know you haven't heard from him, but he's out there. I promise you he's working. It's basketball. It's ball is life right now. So he's grinding in that phase of his of his of his life right now. But our one of my wonderful co-hosts, Greg Penniman, you could follow him, keep up with him at we underscore made it uh, on in, on his Instagram. Uh, but without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with uh, Jeff DiMatteo. And next up, I've got a good friend of mine, uh, a guy that I, I do some work with over at Gridiron Ratings, Jeff DiMatteo. Jeff, thank you for coming on. How are you doing tonight, man? Man, I'm doing great, John. I am thrilled to be here. I am fired up to talk some defense. As, as we get geared up for the draft here, this is like Christmas for me. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I teased it on my last episode. Um, but was going to try to get something here uh, in something special. And so I got Jeff to agree to come on and talk some rookie IDPs. We've covered basically every other position except for those defensive players. And Jeff, it can get difficult uh, when drafting rookies, uh, drafting IDPs in a rookie draft, because, you know, it's tough to really value them relative to their offensive counterparts and the positional value isn't necessarily the same. And, Scoring settings across leagues can be different. So how do you approach drafting rookies in an IDP draft? Well, it, you nailed it right on the head when you said, you know, the scoring mechanisms can all be different, right? So for me, it's all about knowing the scoring. And I try to you know build a projection set around that scoring. And so if my league is really heavy into tackling or it's really heavy into splash plays, like your you know, interceptions, force fumble sacks, things of the sort, then for me, I'm trying to land one or two of those big impact players when the, the, the tier levels start getting muddy at running back and wide receiver. I'm not afraid to go grab IDP players in rounds, you know, five, six, seven in a blended offense defense league. Um, if things are looking a little sketchy in round four, I might go grab an elite player like Darius Leonard just to go ahead and have that positional advantage because there's no other positional advantages to be had in the fourth round. Um, but that's usually where I'm at. I'm trying to find that next positional advantage because you might beat me at wide receiver two or three, but I'm going to beat the snot out of you at linebacker one, two, and three. Yeah. And I, you know, and typically for me in rookie drafts, I'm usually somewhere in that 
uh, in a typical four round rookie draft, you know, single quarterback, I'm probably looking at IDPs as early as the middle of the second round um, in a four round rookie draft. Um, because like you said, these tiers can dry up quickly. And so we all know in rookie drafts with these after the second round, it's pretty much ghost in terms of the production that you, you could expect from offensive players. So that's when I start looking at these uh, productive linebackers or maybe these these safeties with double-digit tackle ability, um, you know, maybe a, a, an all-pro caliber edge rusher like Chase Young last year. Uh, so I'm a little biased. I played linebacker in college, so that's the position I, I typically – uh, will target in IDP drafts. And I'm assuming that that's the position that you're probably targeting too. Is that right, Jeff? Well, yeah. I mean, those are the, they're the rock stars of IDP, right? It's kind of like the running backs and in, in offense. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about a rookie draft, if you have an elite linebacker, you know, you're talking mid second round, I'm not afraid to snake in and pop somebody in the late first. You know, last year I grabbed mm-hmm. Chase Young at uh, the 10th pick in a rookie draft. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. give me a linebacker if you can. Like this year, we've got a few guys, you know, like Micah Parsons really stands out as a guy that could be that fringy, like late one to mid second round, that first IDP player off the board. And uh, yeah, I have no trouble reaching up there and grabbing that guy and letting him be a difference maker. All right, man, you you alluded to it. So let's just jump right into it. You know, I want to get your top five rookie IDPs as we head into this NFL draft, obviously we know that this could change with landing spots, but typically not, man. I think last year, Patrick Queen, Isaiah Simmons, Chase Young, those were typically, you know, really the top three guys that you wanted before the draft started. And they ended up really being the top three guys you wanted after the draft as well. So Michael Parsons, you talked about him already. He's an absolute baller out of Penn state. I got to assume he's your number one guy. Oh, he absolutely is. Uh, in the real NFL draft, I actually think a team like the Bengals or even the Falcons should consider drafting him in those four and five holes. He's got some character concerns. There are a few things that people worry about. He got into a fight when he was 18 years old. He's a little bit of a diva, a little Odell Beckham kind of syndrome to him. But mm. the guy plays like Lawrence Taylor. He can go ahead and get you off the edge. He can drop it into coverage, pick one off and take it to the house. He can play middle linebacker. He can play on the outside. You can run on weak side, strong side. You want to let him rush off the edge? No problem. He can literally do it all. He's got prototypical size. And I don't mean like prototypical like 2020 where it's, you know, we're looking for a guy who's 6'3", 230. He's, you know, every bit of 250 pounds. And this guy's running sub 4'4". And so it's like a freight train running around. The only thing I'm really worried about with this guy outside of those character concerns is that he does have a tendency to take a bad first step in zone read. Now, he has the athleticism to make up for it, but he gets faked out because he's so twitched up that he's making that first move a little prematurely. Um, Needs to kind of be a little more patient, let the play come to him. But this guy profiles as a very strong, I would say, perennial Pro Bowl, you know, all pro level backer. I would put him ahead of guys like Roquan Smith in terms of, you know, draft grade when he came out. Just absolute monster. Did sit out this past year. I'm not that worried about it. I just see a guy who was dominant as a freshman dominant as a sophomore I have no reason to believe that would have changed as a junior yeah man and you know it's funny as we're prepping for this show I I tweeted uh before this if you want to find the football just watch Mark Micah Parsons man or Mika Parsons because he will find it for you uh this dude is a freak athletically and he gets there quick and violently uh like you said can play all over the front seven of a defense whether it's an edge rusher 
middle backer, outside backer. If you want him to cover, you want him to blitz. I mean, a cross dog blitz, this guy, he gets there. No, no issues, no questions asked, forcing fumbles, intercepting balls. I mean, this guy can do it all. Uh, like you said before we started talking about him, if, if I can t- take him in the, within the first round or the late first or the early second of a, of a rookie draft, I would because, I mean, I, watching him and watching today's NFL, you know, there's no reason why I wouldn't take this guy and use him very similarly to how, how the Bucks use Devin White. Oh, absolutely. I think that's actually another great comp for him. You know, Devin White's a guy that, you know, he's just really coming into his own. We haven't even seen his best football yet, and he is devastating on the field. So just wait until, you know, 2023, 2024, when he really hits his prime, and then we can see Parsons being the same player. We're hitting a real golden age of backers out here. Yeah, definitely. And so now we've got to get to the next one on your list. Uh, I'm assuming he's the next one, uh, but who is, who's that, Jeff? What do we got? Well, there? so I have two guys I really like here, and we, we cover a <laughs> linebacker, so i got to switch positions. Um, okay, I'm going to go, go defensive back here. And I'm going to give you a kid out of TCU, Trayvon Mowry. So this guy was the Thorpe winner, so best defensive back in the country. He has zero trouble bringing the woods. We talked about how Micah Parsons runs around and likes to thump people. So Mowry can step up from center field, and he'll tattoo somebody. He doesn't mind. You know, he does it cleanly, doesn't draw a ton of penalties, super fluid hips. I love watching him pivot and get deep, especially in zone coverage, if he's the single high. He does a great job of getting his hips turned and taking away any passing lanes for the quarterback on any kind of deep routes. Does a nice job of monitoring, doesn't get beat on digs, crossers, doesn't get faked out on seven routes going back out to the sideline. The the kid is uniquely talented to cover and hit. I don't think he's as special as a guy like Sean Taylor was, you know, or, or something like that. I don't want to give him that Hall of Fame level credential at this point. But I really feel like Jeremy Chin last year, if you played IDP, Jeremy Chin was far and away the best defensive back you know, out there, and he was a top-flight option to have, or Jesse Bates from the Bengals. This is a guy that profiles as somebody who's going to have nearly 100 tackles every year, three, four interceptions, a handful of forced fumbles, and he's going to be a rock-solid defensive back option for your fantasy team. Yeah, man, I, J- Jesse Bates, that brings music to my ears. You know, we look at uh, typically, you know, the free safety is not really the guys that I'm targeting, but uh, – I like those safeties on the back end, like a Jesse Bates or a Justin Simmons that have the ability to get a hundred tackles, like you said, but also get four to five, six interceptions potentially. Uh, and if you play in those yardage leagues, potentially the potential to take one to the crib always, always helps. So um, yeah, you know, I probably, uh, you know, haven't, I, ha- you know, and I have to be honest, I haven't seen a lot of Morig, uh, but I, I definitely trust everything that you've said. Uh, I just probably wouldn't have him this high just because unless you are a Jamal Adams type uh, or maybe even a Buda Baker, uh, when you're going to play in the box, you know, I don't, I, I don't typically take you this high, but you know, high praise for being, you know, comp to Jesse Bates there. I would tell you right now that I'd make you a $1 bet. We'll put it on the board. I'll make you a $1 <laughs> bet. He's the second highest IDP scorer among all rookies this season. And he, he trails only he trails only okay. Parsons in that category. Well, a dollar bet is zero <laughs> risk. I mean, it's literally risk of a dollar. I can afford that, fortunately. So I will make this bet uh, because I'm. But I will. Uh, how about this? If it's if it's not this next guy, 
then we're then okay. we're even. Fair enough. Well, I think you know who my number three guy is because we got to go back to the linebacker. Well, so gonna go ahead. And... Yeah, I mean, definitely. <laughs> Sorry to be to cut you there. Uh, let, no, let's take good, a look good. at uh, Jeremiah Owosu Koromoa. I say his name slow so I don't butcher it. <laughs> so, it, super athletic guy. This is a two sport athlete. He was offered scholarships in football and basketball. So, you know, his athleticism is next level. He's getting comped. If you look around the league, he's getting comped to guys like Derwin James, Jamal Adams, and so on. I don't know that he's quite as fluid as those guys. I'd say that he's similar in coverage where there's some liability there. He's going to get beat by more athletic tight ends. He may have some issues at the NFL level in coverage, but a little bit of a tweener in terms of being between a linebacker and a safety. Needs to learn some more linebacker techniques, but every part of him is super fluid. He's fast. He can cover. He doesn't mind getting after the quarterback. And he's a guy where I just want to see him use his arms a little bit more to wrap up, but he's a hitter. So if you're trying to draw something, you know, wide to the outside and he's tracing you, he's going to blow you up in the back. He's going to force a fumble. Uh, Imagine like Keanu Neal, but faster. So something. Yeah, Jared. Oh, I was going to say, so something like that. I mean, he was a Buckus Award winner. He was a finalist for the Nagurski and the Bednarik. I mean, this guy was an absolute monster. Uh, You know, a defensive home run waiting to happen. Yeah, I, I absolutely love this guy. Uh, you know, I, I was watching Brett Coleman does does great breakdowns on YouTube, um, and I was watching his breakdown of, of I call him JOK because uh, I don't want to butcher his name either, so I'll just abbreviate it. Uh, but, you know, uh, Owusu Koromoa, he's, he's an absolute athlete, like you said, 37-inch uh, vert at 221 pounds, 6'1", a six eight three cone, um, you know we don't have the official forty time yet, but you just watch this guy. There's no way he's not running, you know, four five or sub four five, and and that's really fast um, for linebackers. So uh, he, you know, like you said, he can cover. He's he can run and hit uh, today, and very much in today's mold of linebacker, uh, where you're, you're going to be asked sometimes to. You're going to be put in an unfavorable position where you're going to have to get matched up with a receiver running down, you know, the middle of the cover two hole, or you're going to have to uh, t- run with a receiver on a crosser. Um, you know, the, Jer- the Jamal Adams comp I'd like very well. Obviously, as you know, Jeff, I'm a suffering Jets fan. I watched Jamal Adams in green and white for three years, and that was the first player that came to my mind when I watched Uwusu Koromoa just because you, you look at these overhang type players, uh, these players that are asked to play in the box, but also play out in space. Uh, and I, a lot of times those guys end up being so productive in fantasy because they're asked to do so many roles and they have an opportunity to score points in different ways. Right. So most leagues I play in a tackle is a point, uh, but interceptions, pass deflections, sacks, they're all different. And a guy like, Owusu Koromoa, he can be in a position to get all to get all of them. Oh, absolutely. And you know, the Jamal Adams comp I don't think is far off. Uh, my only concern, I guess, is that guys like Adams and James, they had really defined positions in college. They were able to really master a role, step into the similar role in the NFL, and and kind of continue that progression. My concern with with JOK here is just that he he was used all over the field like Isaiah Simmons was at Clemson. And I'm worried we're going to see a little bit of that mm-hmm. slow start the way we saw with Isaiah Simmons. 
Uh, I, I don't know. We have no way to know his football IQ. We don't get to you know see him on the whiteboard. Uh, I feel like he mm-hmm. does benefit from being one of the more athletic players on the field. You know, every now and again, you see that bad step and he has to quick change direction, which he's super fluid. He can do it. But at the next level, everybody can do it. And so that's where my concern is. That's actually why I kind of, you know, I bump him down behind Morig for fantasy purposes, because I wonder is like that rookie year, is he going to be that guy this year? He might be a guy who's a year away. Mm-hmm. And when he but when he shows up, he's going to show up big. I have nothing but faith in the guy. I think his athleticism, his skill set, if he's allowed to hone in on one position, he'll be a difference maker, which is exactly what you're looking for, whether it's in the real NFL or fantasy. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I just one more thing on the Jamal Adams thing. I do think Jamal Adams and Derwin James are better blitzers than Awusu Koromoa, uh, as crazy as it sounds, because they're right. safeties and he's a linebacker. But uh, <laughs> um, I do agree with you to that point, though. There is a possibility that he does have this Isaiah Simmons type rookie year where Hey, he's not he's he, he's not really useful through the first eleven games, but those last three to five games, you know, you're going to see some really good production there, um, which is going to be you know good news for oh, you. Absolutely, going the there. Yeah, I I fully agree with all of that. So maybe Wusu Kormoa after you know halfway through the rookie year, you try to buy low on him. Well, you know, after somebody is frustrated, if you, if you don't see that. Well, yeah, and I think some people might even just steer away from him. It's going to depend on landing spot, right? So landing spots always kind of hype up draft position. Definitely. It's like whether we like it or not, that, that's just a fact mm-hmm. of our fantasy drafts. And so if you, if you see this guy land somewhere yep. where he's not an immediate starter, he's going to fall into the late second, early third. And that's a chance where it's like, okay, do I take the flyer on the, the wide receiver or running back guy that's got the long shot to be a superstar? Or do I go grab this guy who I can throw in the taxi squad and then he'll be a superstar next year? Yeah, definitely. Definitely like that idea. So, Jeff, who is the IDP, your rookie IDP? You know, as I'm going through it, uh, you know, we talked about you know landing spot dependency. And these next two guys are both going to be a little dependent because – I love the athletic traits of both guys, but I don't necessarily love the total package for 2021. Uh, the first guy will be Gregory Rousseau. Uh, you can call him a defensive end. You can call him an edge. It's really going to depend where he lands to see what he actually plays. Um, he's a little landing spot dependent. You know, great production in 2019. Didn't play in 2020. Sat out due to COVID. Uh, I feel like he lacks traditional defensive end strength. He's not a guy that you're going to be able to rely on to set the edge in the run game. He's not going to be able to bull rush anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, despite getting more than half of his sacks in 2019 uh, from the zero technique, you know, he's just not going to be able to overpower NFL O-linemen the way he was ACC O-linemen. Um, probably a dedicated edge, you know, one-year wonder with the productivity. I see him as a Matt Judon type. Matt Judon, the last two years, has led the NFL in uh, basically free run rate. So he has the most free runs at a quarterback to get pressures, get sacks. I see that kind of profile in Rousseau. If he can get schemed up that way, he's more athletic and he can really make some noise. So if he could land in a place like Baltimore to replace Matt Judon, this is a guy with a huge upside all of a sudden and has a a minimal learning curve. If he goes anywhere else, I'm a little concerned that I might have to move him down the list a little bit. Yeah, Rousseau is definitely interesting because at this time last year, uh, Rousseau was talked about as somebody that had he come out you know, or it was unfortunate that he couldn't come out because he would have probably been, a, you know, a top 10 pick uh, up there with Chase Young in, in that really good 
uh, up there with Chase Young, who was a really good rookie edge rusher. But Rousseau obviously couldn't come out, then opts out due to COVID. And now there's a possibility that he doesn't even make it. Uh, he doesn't make it past the first round. <laughs> or Sorry, there's a possibility that he doesn't make it into the first round. So uh, potentially being picked later. But like you said, Rousseau has got that production. Uh, the landing spot will be interesting, you know, to see where he ends up. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not the – I'm actually more of a fan of, of his teammate, Jalen Phillips. But like you said, Rousseau, uh, not very uh, – like you said, doesn't have that defensive end strength because he's, he's 6'7", 266 pounds. So he's very long uh, and, and not – you know, you know, typical, not typical DNs, but, you know, a lot of the, 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 um, the D the defensive edge rushers that I typically look for, they're a little bit thicker, six, five two sixty five, something along those lines. Um, so that's going to be interesting to watch, but the, you know, the landing spot will definitely be. interesting. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, in his athleticism, you know, we talk about all these other guys are all athletes, right? Well, this guy's a wide receiver in high school. So just to give you a sense of like, you know, how fluid he is and how he moves around. Mm -hmm. My concern is, and we talked about it pre-show was, you know, he doesn't have great measurables in terms of, you know, his, you know, bench press, 40 yard dash, three cone and so on. If they have to put 25, 30 pounds on this guy in an NFL weight room, he might lose a lot of that athleticism, a lot of that explosion, which could really hinder him also. It's going to be a very interesting case to watch. I think he might be overdrafted in your IDP leagues just because of name recognition. And uh, that's where I had to bump him down behind guys like, you know, JOK and Mo Rig. And even this next guy could be interchangeable with, uh, with Rousseau. Yeah. So I'm curious who is, Yo, I'm going to go with the UGA product Aziz Ojolari. So this is a guy who's, he's raw. That's the best way to describe it. He's great in pursuit. He's a raw edge slash linebacker. He's, you know, a really big dude, very strong, you know, he's kind of, you know, the best thing I've read and seen about him, I had to get a chuckle out of it, is he's built like a superhero. You know, he's got the huge biceps, huge chest, tiny wrists, <laughs> like he's this guy and he just looks like he's built like Superman. Uh, you know, the only thing is he's incomplete. When you watch him on film, he doesn't have a ton of dichotomy to his pass rush moves. He can beat you generally just being a touch more athletic than the guy across from him. The concern for me is that he was second team all SEC and he wasn't able to get to first team all SEC. So when I combine that with a first round draft pedigree, I'm like, well, is he being overdrafted? It, he's a project. And this is a guy that I've heard the Giants have some interest in. And I don't know that that's a great fit for him because he's going to have to play pretty much right away and he's not ready. So, you know, he uses his hands really well to slide off of blockers, but he doesn't really have enough power. He's not overwhelming at the point of attack where he can go ahead and, you know, blow somebody up and still make a play on the ball carrier. It's just not happening. Um, so I wonder if he ends up transitioning from edge to maybe being a, a true, you know, four, three style backer somewhere. You know, Cause he could very easily be transitioned to a weak side guy. He tackles well enough for that. I feel like he's strong enough in space, but those pass rush moves, he needs a lot of work to be NFL ready. Yeah. Ojolari, um, He's somebody that just from an NFL standpoint kind of scares me, right? Because like you said, he's he's a little undersized at 6'1, 240, but he would he wouldn't be undersized for your traditional, you know, outside or right. inside linebacker in a four three defense or even inside in a three four. But he's somebody who's predominantly played on the edge in college 
and at that height and weight, you know, basically with, with those measurables and the lack of length, you know, can he really have an impact as an edge rusher? Uh, and then you have to look at guys like Hassan Reddick, um, you know, who's made that impact, or is he capable of being a Von, being a Von Miller? I don't, I don't know, right? So that's going to be interesting to see what happens. The team fit is definitely going to be interesting, um, but I just don't know. And you never want to – you always want to scout the player, not the jersey. But I think about Jarvis Jones when I when – I, when Okay, that's, that's a pretty good comp. Are. I actually like that quite a bit. Because Jarvis Jones, he beat a lot of people on athleticism too. Wasn't really a refined pass rusher. And uh, I'd really like to see Ojolari end up in a place like New Orleans. I want to see him learn from a guy like Demario Davis. You know, he's a really complete backer, can do a little bit of everything. Super underrated. Mm-hmm. But great for IDP purposes. That would put him in a good position to kind of relearn the linebacker position. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, but this IDP class isn't as deep as, and as exciting as last year's was. So, I mean, I'm in my first two rounds of a rookie draft last year, I traded up, traded around and ended up with uh, six picks in the first two rounds. And I took four IDP players. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I, tr- I tried to take advantage of the IDP class last year as well, because you know, last year we were just spoiled. We had a good running back class. We had a, a great wide receiver class. We have a, a great IDP class, uh, you know, and, and this year we're complaining because, you know, there's not enough running backs and the wide receivers are slot slot only and, and all these different things. But, uh, yeah, IDP's not as strong as last year, but I'm always going to find – Oh, for sure. To take my yeah, I mean, I actually have a sleeper guy that we can take a shot on that might get underdrafted simply because his NFL draft prospects are pretty pretty bleak. Um, you know, looking at Dylan Moses, you know, he's probably going to be a day three pick. And a lot of this is injury concern related. But, you know, he's he's a guy that's super twitched up. He's fast and quick, amazing reaction time, super disruptive. Imagine like a Camo Grugier Hill type. And uh, that's a guy that can help you in fantasy. He's not going to be a superstar, but he's a guy you can line up in bye weeks. He's a guy you can line up as a wide receiver or wide receiver, line up as a linebacker two, three at some point, and he'll be reliable. Yeah, I, I uh, always am looking to these Alabama linebackers. It's always funny because it seems like I, I don't know who the other one is that escapes my head, but it seems like every year when these guys first hit the scene, they're the, the next big thing. And then two years later, when it's time for them to get drafted, we have these questions about them. But uh, Dylan Moses is definitely somebody that I'm intrigued by. Uh, he's definitely somebody that, like you said, the talent is there. He started for Alabama for, was he a two-year three starter, three-year starter? I'm not quite sure, but uh, definitely a starter for Alabama and a productive one. So curious to see where he lands in NFL drafts. And, um, you know, hopefully – he can have an impact. Yeah. And, and I think, more. again, it always comes down to landing spot when we think about impact because somebody might see him as a project and just go ahead and stick him on the bench. But he's the kind of guy where if he's drafted mm-hmm. his depth by a team where I know he's a year away from being a starter, I have zero trouble drafting that guy in the third or fourth round or whatever that looks like in a four round draft, sticking on my taxi squad or even picking him up off the free agent heap because in a four round draft, it's possible he goes undrafted. And you could you can grab him off the off the scrap heap, dump yeah. him on your taxi squad, and let him just marinate there until he gets that starting job. 
Yeah, I like. I definitely like the sound of that. What are your thoughts? I'm going to ask you one off the cuff. What are your thoughts on? Uh, you know, I'm going to be honest. I haven't watched enough of them. Uh, I I like to try and watch at least three games on a player before I I try to give any kind of real opinions on them. And uh, so I really don't have a great opinion. Uh, You know, when it comes down to like my next IDP guys, like it's all linebackers and it's all, you know, it's all like Zayvon Collins, Nick Bolton, like those kinds of guys. But um, I'm really thin on Browning. So sorry, I don't have much there. No, it's okay. He's just, he's somebody whose athleticism has definitely piqued my interest. 6'3", 245, 40-inch vert, 130-inch broad jump. Four five one in the forty, yeah. a six seven eight three cone. So the athleticism, dude's dripping, dripping in athleticism. Um, so you know, it's definitely someone that caught my caught my interest. Um, so I'm definitely gonna dig in some work with him. But what do we talk about? So we, we spent so much time talking about the linebackers. Is there anybody else that you know, either edge or defensive tackle or maybe even uh, defensive back? You know, the defensive back towards? group. The only guy that was really worth anything is probably Morig. Um, Andre Cisco is interesting. Richie Grant's interesting. You know, there's a couple of guys that can cover and hit and they can do a little bit of everything, but they don't really profile as starters right away. And if they do, they might be like the third safety or, you know, they'll come in in those kind of big nickel sets. So there's probably not enough productivity there to get excited about. Um, you know, defensive line, you could look at a guy like Jason Owe from Penn State. He lacked productivity, not a ton of sacks for this guy, but, you know, disrupted. He's in the backfield a lot. So he's coming off the edge, you know, like a lightning bolt. And typically speaking, he's the ball's out or somebody else is just making a play because, well, you've got, you know, Micah Parsons is coming around making a, you know, he's coming in like the other lightning bolt. So I don't know that I, I keep his production against him. What I do like <laughs> to see is that he's living in the other team's backfield. And uh, he's, he's really quick. He's really fast. I don't know that he's going to be able to turn that speed to strength. I don't think we're going to see a guy who's going to overwhelm any tackles you know, or even be a guy that'll be used on any kind of twists or stunts because he's just not strong enough to, to work inside. But, um, you know, if we can get him on the edge and let him just use his raw speed to get after somebody, he could certainly help a team right now that doesn't have a legit stand-up pass rusher. You know, I look at a team like San Francisco with D Ford on the shelf. You know, you got Nick Bosa's there, and he's great, but the uh, I think we might have an un- unscheduled visitor on this end. I apologize. <laughs> Let's see. I'm gonna open the door. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, yeah, we're just talking football, buddy. You can hang out. It's okay. Okay, I know. Okay. Um, so this is my son. He's two. His name's Tucker. He loves football, <laughs> and he's really upset. <laughs> he's very upset that we're talking Welcome to about the him. show, man. <laughs> but Start um, yeah, when it comes down to to OA, you know, I'd love to see him in like a D Ford style role where he can come off the edge opposite another dominant pass rusher, you know, a place like even the Chargers put him opposite of the other Bosa brother. And uh, that would be a really great position for him to start his NFL career. Yeah, I, I, I think that that would be a great fit for Owe because, you know, for me, I'm always willing to take shots on these, these edge rushers that are just dripping in athleticism. Uh, you know, reminiscent of, of Daniil Hunter from a few years ago where, you know, this guy didn't have nearly any production at LSU. He, uh, you know, had crazy measurables and was super athletic, but, you know, teams didn't know what to do with him because there was no production. 
But I, I always think that's why you pay these defensive line coaches. You know, if I can find – if I'm a, G, a general manager and I can find you a guy with, with, with burst and bend, then you've got to be able to coach him up for me. And so uh, if Owe has that 6'5", 257, 40-inch vert, a 4'3", 40-yard dash, that is absolutely absurd at almost 260 pounds that a guy can run a sub 4'4", to go along with a 4'15", short shuttle, and a six eight four three cone, uh, you know those are just ridiculous numbers there. For oh, absolutely, like yeah. You don't see guys like that that are just that that athletic. Like we talk, everybody's athletic, right? We've been talking about that all show. All these guys are super athletes, but Owe might be like next level among those guys. It's just a matter now of how do we get it between the ears? How do we get his hands working with his feet? How do we make all those other little pieces come together? And uh, that's where I feel like he's probably not going to be the alpha pass rusher, but if he can be the other guy, imagine like what Bud Dupree was for TJ Watt. It's a lot of productivity, a lot of productivity with Watt, but he didn't do much without Watt. And so that's, I don't know if that's the right comp, but it's a situation I'd like to see him land in. No, I think you're totally right. I think that, you know, you know, a guy like uh, Bud Dupree, he he's got to be, he's got to be the Robin to somebody's Batman, you know. So, and I think Owe maybe potentially because of the the lack of development and, and because of the freaky athleticism. Because here's the thing I know about Owe: if he even if he can't come in and be a double digit sack guy for me, he's going to be an elite def- run defender from day one. So, oh for sure, and I he's big enough to be that that, that traditional his, his guy where he can you know. He can man the edge enough. I mean, at 250, you'd like a little bigger guy to set the edge, but he's so athletic and freaky that tackles are going to be too scared to try and, you know, anchor too hard against him because they're going to have to get real wide to keep him from making a play. Yeah, definitely. All right, Jeff. So it seems like we've covered all the IDPs that we can possibly cover in in this uh, short amount of time. So – that being said, I know that at Gridiron Ratings, we're working hard on some, some really good stuff. So, you know, why don't you just give a people the people an opportunity to hear what, what it is that we're working on? Absolutely. Uh, so we have been just crushing it right now, trying to get this draft guide out. The, mm-hmm. uh, the 2021 Gridiron Ratings draft guide is going to be a little bit different than anything else you've ever seen. We haven't even made an official announcement online yet. We haven't done any kind of official anything on it. Uh, this is probably the second time we've talked about it in public at all, but it's going to be a digital digital magazine that's going to allow us to provide a draft guide in May that will be continually updating. It's a live document. So kind of like how the fantasy footballers do it, where they have you know continued updates all through the summer and all that. But we're also going to have linkable aspects all built into the magazine. So you can take it on your tablet, take it on your phone, take it on your laptop. You know, you see a, a player page on Lamar Jackson and you want more information. Cool. We're going to have some buttons built in where you can go ahead and watch some videos where we talk about Lamar. We've got some pages where you can go and get more information on Lamar. And we're going to give you all the tools you could possibly imagine to make educated decisions on draft day. How high is too high? We can go ahead and tell you that. Where's your backup plan? So you missed on Lamar. You got sniped. Cool. We gave you the backup plan. It's in the guide. Um, It's a little bit different unit. We're really excited to get it out. It's our first one, but uh, we think we're hitting it pretty close to the T. And the expectation is that we're going to have this thing out and ready for purchase on uh, the first week of May, the Monday, right after the NFL draft. Wow. 
I mean, I know I've been working on it, but I've already and I've already heard all this. But just to hear you say it again sounds even better. And so everybody out there listening, make sure that you uh, you, you check it out. Uh, you make sure that you're following uh, Jeff on Twitter. Jeff, you need to remind me of your of your <laughs> Twitter handle because unfortunately <laughs> I was a terrible terrible host and did not write it down. It's okay. Prior to, I don't remember prior your season. Post, I talk to you three three four times a week on Twitter. So and I still don't know your handle. It's okay. Where to find so <laughs> mine's NFL underscore Dimateo. I'm one of those weird guys that has NFL in his handle. Uh, so it's NFL underscore Dimateo. Uh, you can find me there. I've got the weird uh, avatar picture where my kids are just mauling my head. Uh, it's something for you to look forward to there. But uh, yeah, I'm, if you have any questions about the guide or if you see anything, if you have any questions or heck, if there's something you want to see right in the guide, shoot me a DM. My DMs are open or check out at Gridiron Rating. That's our official Twitter handle. Shoot us some DMs there, you know, tweet us, whatever, because we want to build this for the people. We want to give you something different. We want to make it fun. We want to tell you who to pick and we want to make sure you have everything you need right at your fingertips and provide the one thing no other guide ever really provides context. So. It certainly does. You and I talk about that every time we get on the phone. (laughs) Definitely something that listeners here have heard me say a bunch. Um, But yeah, you definitely got to go check it out. Go to gridironratings.com. Go get your, go get the draft guide. Reach out to Jeff at NFL underscore DiMatteo and follow, give him a follow. Give our, our gridiron uh, page a follow as well at gridiron rating and make sure you're following the show i'm sure you already are but jeff thank you so much for coming on really appreciate you uh breaking down these ieps for us absolutely i'm and, open uh, whenever you are and i apologize for my uh my tyrant two-year-old uh, crashing the party here thanks for having me on though <laughs> no not at all and we're <laughs> glad that your two-year-old could join us <laughs> see you more the merrier Have a good one, everybody.